Hello and welcome to the ARC Podcast. I'm Adam. I'm Joy. On today's episode, we talked with author Todd Hafer. He and his brother were the author of the new devotional, A Day at the Beach, devotions to help you relax, reflect, and renew. We really enjoyed our conversation with Todd. In addition to laughing our way through it, uh, we got a lot of spiritual insight into why it's important to take time to be with the Lord. All of us have very busy schedules. Sometimes it's difficult to find time to quiet your mind and your heart. And Todd does it in a very winsome way with a lot of humor, something that's very approachable. So it's usable for you pack it in your vacation bag or literally your beach bag, or give it as a gift. Someone who's in the car lot driving their kids around or a college student. We, we just saw this as a book that's approachable for everybody. Yes, and we covered a lot of ground in the in the conversation as well. We talked about his uh, career as a writer, um, his process with writing with his brother, and also he gave some advice for people who are aspiring writers. So check out the book, A Day at the Beach. You can find it at Tyndale.com or anywhere books are sold. Or you can learn more about Todd and Jed at HaferBrothers.com. Todd, thanks for being with us today. We're really excited to talk with you about A Day at the Beach, uh, the devotional that you wrote with your brother, Jed. It comes out in April, and we're glad to have you on the show. Thanks for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. Mm-hmm. And uh, could you start off just telling us a little bit about your background and how you uh, ended up becoming a writer? Well, I'm the oldest of four brothers, and our dad is a pastor, and um, sometimes even as good a pastor as he was, his sermons could get a little bit long and maybe a little bit boring for us when we were kids. So I started out writing little cartoons and stories to keep my brothers uh, from fidgeting or disrupting the sermon, and uh, I, among other things, I invented Trash Man, who was the crime-fighting sanitation worker, and so I, uh, you know, drew these little cartoons and wrote stuff and would kind of pass them to my brothers, and they, uh, they, um, they liked Trash Man a lot, and so um, it kind of kept things quiet, but uh, it's like once I saw that I could write or create something that would keep people entertained or at least uh, somewhat docile, um, it sort of gave me the, you know, the the idea that wow, maybe I could do this for uh, for a living someday. Mm. And it was a little scary because one of my younger brothers actually got so fixated on the the, tr- the real trash man and stuff that he would go sit like on the porch every Saturday and watch <laughs> the trash man. You know, and my parents were like, please don't let this be your career aspiration. And they were looking at me and like, this is on you. You know, if your brother's highest, you know, dream in life is uh, to be the, the trash man. So, uh, but luckily he, he found, um, you know, other gainful employment. Nothing against the sanitation workers who might be listening to this podcast. We love you. Thank you for taking care of our trash. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. So from that, you know, you had obviously an early um, affinity for writing and a way with words and also a way with humor, which we can tell by just talking to you. Um, How did that develop into your adulthood? I just kept writing and reading everything that I could get my hands on and 
every opportunity I had. If there was a, a short story contest, I entered it. If there was a poetry contest, I entered it, even though I'm not good at it. Uh, just everything, every opportunity that I got, I just kept writing. And I was fortunate enough that in school, there were some teachers who really encouraged me. Um, some of them were a little troubled by the stuff that I would write. That <laughs> this is kind of weird, but the, you know, there's maybe some talent here. Um, but you also need help. <laughs> so uh, it just uh, it just kept going. And then um, in high school, we had a, a high school newspaper that was actually part of the regular town paper. It was so it made you feel really legit because you were right in there with the really important news about, you know, city council and whether they were going to let a McDonald's be built in town, <laughs> other earth-shaking things in a small town. Um, you were right there with your profiles of, uh, of the shop teacher um, and uh, that kind of thing, how he was able to teach shop even with the, the couple fingers that he had lost over the, over the course of years of teaching wood shop and things like that. And uh, so I'm I've always felt really lucky. That's the only thing I've ever wanted to do. I didn't go through the fireman, astronaut, pro football quarterback phase. All of those things would have been nice, but I had no real talent for my, for much of any of that. Uh, so I've been one of those people who just sort of like this is I you know what I feel I was put here to do, and um, fortunately so far uh, they're still letting me do it. I keep waiting for somebody to come and take my computer and my pen and my all my notepads away from me and say sorry the gig is up. But um, until that happens, I'm gonna keep going. How did you end up teaming up uh, with your brother? We had a, a mother son uh, book come out earlier this year, and they had a really interesting experience writing together. So I'm just interested in hearing uh, how you ended up team up with your brother and what's that like to have him as a writing partner? Yeah, well, my brother Jed, uh, when he was very young, he started working as a stand-up comic. I, he was only, I think, 17 or 18 when he first did some open mic nights and things like that. And I always knew he was really funny, and a lot of the stuff that I started writing um, early, I wrote a lot of humor books, and a lot of it was just stuff we witnessed and saw growing up in a in a small town church, um, and just some of the, the stuff that happened. And when I started writing, I thought, well, my brother's really funny, and so for the times I'm not feeling very funny, he can step in and also he can help me remember all of this stuff uh, and uh, what happened. And we've always just been, re you know, really close, um, you know, all four of us brothers, but particularly I'm the oldest and he's the youngest. And, you know, people who are the big brother, big sister understand this, that you're sort of the the surrogate parent sometimes is the older sibling and you're the one who teaches your you know siblings the key things in life like how to shoot a jump shot <laughs> and things like that and so uh it just was an opportunity to uh for us to work together and i hope you know kind of pool our talents and it has been really good i mean it's it's tougher like now i'm in oregon he's in colorado but uh, fortunately, technology allows us to communicate and stuff um, when we don't accidentally 
you know, crash the internet and stuff, trying to talk with each other, email. Um, but uh, you just sort of learn how to work together and, um, you know, which uh, parts of the book each of you is going to do. And I've kind of always been the, the editor, especially at the end, who comes through and just tries to pull everything together. But he's uh, super creative, super talented, and and really really funny too. And we've written. I think I've written probably about 60 books overall, and he's probably been able to work with me on about half of those. So uh, hopefully that will keep going. And since you're the older brother, he always listens to everything you say, right, and accepts all your edits. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go with that. <laughs> let's just say that in 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 my dreams, uh, we actually really do. We are actually so deferential to each other. It's like, no, let's do it your way. No, no, let's do it your way. <laughs> it's it's kind of different from a lot of other collaborations where sometimes people can be really really headstrong, and we we want to preserve the relationship um, as we create things. Then if we sort of keep that out, you know out in front of us as a goal is let's not do or say anything that uh, that you know damages our friendship and our brotherhood and uh, the, just having that as a stated goal and just being aware of it I think helps communicate uh, better even in that even in the trenches of editing we still like each other now would you he's not on the line right now but would you still say all this if he were here listening I don't know <laughs> Yeah, yes, oh, no, definitely. Yeah, we we actually really do uh we're kind of each other's uh um the confidant and life coach as well as sometimes basketball coach. So, uh we've yeah, we've always tried to support each other and all four of of, of the Hafer brothers uh, have uh, have stayed really close uh through the years and uh um not really uh we didn't really have the sibling rivalry. The um Maybe that's just because we're not good enough at anything to <laughs> have, have a bona fide rivalry. But uh, you know, we've—it's always been more about uh, cooperation. It's not that we didn't compete, but the the competition always had this spirit of grace around it. And and uh, you know, um, we never—if uh, we were playing basketball, we would never, you know, uh, you know, take a hard foul or something on one of the brothers. Now maybe other opponents sometimes, <laughs> but not. Not one of us. Yes. Oh, that's so neat. I wasn't aware that you had written so many things together, um, and so it must be something that that really sharpens both of you, you know, in your craft and then also in your spiritual mm -hmm. journey. Uh, can you explain to us the beach theme? So the devotion that is coming out, it's called The Day at the Beach, and this, the um, subtitle is Devotions to Help You Relax, Reflect, and Renew. Why did you choose that? That's a really great question, and it's it's kind of funny now. We've seen the cover of the book and all, and it, you know, it just looks very peaceful and inviting. And we see words like relax and reflect and renew, which everybody needs. The irony is this: we wrote this book actually during a very tumultuous and unsettled time for both of us. Um, just you know, family issues, um, uh, health challenges not just with us but people we you know we love and care very much about um, so it's somewhat ironic that you're just going through this really stormy time and we were talking about what we wanted to write about and 
oddly enough, uh, it was like I really want to write about something peaceful and relaxing and and, and restorative, um, rather than write about the you know the storms necessarily. It's like I want to I want to write about how to escape this, how to cope with this. So uh, I actually had a friend of mine who read an early copy of the book, and um, she was kind enough to say good things about it, although what is she going to say to me? But (laughs) she even noted, I know some of what was going on in your lives, and I think it's really amazing that you, you came up with a book that will help people give them a sense of peace when you weren't necessarily feeling very peaceful yourselves, but that's kind of what we wanted to do. If people were um, already feeling peaceful and relaxed, we wanted to help carry that on. But if people needed some respite or needed um, some place to find uh, some renewal, we hoped that we could create that. So it was it was aspirational in a way of, of looking, trying to look for the sun, um, you know, beyond the clouds and beyond the storm. Mm-hmm. Um, can you can you describe a little bit for our listeners just how the devotional is structured and maybe uh, walk walk us through like what a typical devotional is like, like the one of the devotionals from yeah. the book. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And it's some of it. It's it's a little bit of it. We try to do a lot of you know variety, um, but so much of the, the they're very short little readings because if you want to give people peace and reflection and renewal, um, you don't necessarily want to give them war and peace. Uh, so we try to be very succinct. But so much of this is just based on experiences that we've had. You know, at the seaside, at the beach. My dad, again, being a pastor, we spent a lot of summers at various camps. Unfortunately, not a lot of them at the ocean beaches, but lakes, reservoirs, ponds, <laughs> different mm-hmm. things like that. There always seemed to be some body of water that was the focal point, the center point of uh, of the camp. And so a lot of it was were things that we saw or just metaphors certain things that happened um and uh the one thing about a a beach especially when you're near the ocean it just it gives you at once this sense of how small physically small you are in relation to the vastness of the universe but conversely it's a time that you you sense god's peace and god's might and the potential that all of us have um, because God loves us. And it's a way you become very reflective, especially when the crazy beach hours are over and it's sunset and a lot of the, you know, really, really crazy people uh, with their bright umbrellas that hurt your eyes have kind of gone home and you're actually able to to just sort of breathe in the whole experience. It, It does there's a there's a beautiful irony to it of you know realizing your place in the world as as physically kind of small but spiritually and in terms of your ability to touch other people's lives and comfort them and inspire them the potential is as endless as an ocean or one of the great lakes and that experience just has always captivated both of us and we decided it's time to write a book about it before, you know, we get too many concussions and, and uh, can't write a sentence uh, to save our lives anymore. It's time to do this. But 
um, try to be really, you know, a, a title for the, each little devotion that we hope will grab people's attention, and um, and then just a, a a short reading that hopefully sets a scene and teaches a lesson, and then each uh, each one ends with a, a scripture that we hope will reinforce. Uh, the message that we've just sort of laid out there. Um, you know, we have when I know one of the chapter titles is "Find Your Muma," and um, <laughs> you know, people have to read the book maybe to find out what their muma is and why they need to find it. But that's that kind of thing. Hopefully, we can we can set up a little bit of intrigue, and then the devotion will uh, will deliver. It's a it's a great little compact size too, so you can fit it in your backpack or your beach bag or whatever. Read it right yeah, on the... yeah, it would be really bad if it was oversized and really inconvenient to take to the beach. You know, it'd be just like, well, yeah, um, it, no, we can't take the beach book to the beach. It's just too big and cumbersome. We feel like we would have missed the mark there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Todd, as you're talking about, you know, having multiple angles to engage with our souls, whether that be story or antidote or scripture or prayer. How do you encourage people to go beyond just the daily reading? You know, the ones that you and your brother have included are short, and I would, I would think that maybe this is just an entryway to spend time with the Lord. How do you encourage people to slow down in such a busy life that we all lead? That, yeah, I mean, I think part of what you have to do or what you hope to do is you really have to set a scene provide an experience, not just, you know, this is not the time for for doctrine necessarily, or, uh, you know, we write a lot about grace in this book, and I've always man- maintained, and I will preface this by apologizing to every theologian out there, but I've always maintained you really can't define grace. I mean, the all the definitions I've read, you know, the unmerited favor of God bestowed upon, it's just like, well, that's just pure poetry. Right. We've maintained that you grace is something that you really have to experience. Um, it's something that you have to do drink in, and even more than that, just completely wash over you like a gentle ocean wave or wave from the sea. It's something that has to engulf you um, and uh, and wash you clean. And so we're trying to get people to get to that place where this can happen and, and explain to them, just like Grace and so many of the other beautiful but vitally important concepts, that the Bible teaches and that Jesus lived out, it's more than reading a fact, you know, in a book or on your iPad or your iTouch or your I don't even know what this device is, and actually experiencing it. And if I could find a metaphor to it, I sometimes will go to a concert and I will see everybody with their phones, you know, recording the experience, the people on stage and even the people in the crowd, but not experiencing the experience. <laughs> and it's I've, just the irony of that is always, uh, and it's like, you know, okay, so you've recorded this whole thing and you can play it back later, but you weren't really there. You weren't present at the concert and letting what, you know, and listening, you know, really listening to what was going on because you were so worried about, oh, I have to record this, I have to record this so I don't miss it. And the irony is, you just missed it. So, the, you know, to sort of take that lesson in, in book form, um, that's what we hope to accomplish. And just 
help we hope in all these devotions that we appeal to all of the senses and that's part of it too that's part of experiencing life and experiencing grace is use your senses you know think reflect see smell taste touch do all of that you know really really live um and uh you know uh, fully rather than just you know don't let your life be reduced to a small square screen um we love you know our devices we're you know we're not luddites or anything and i actually don't do my taxes with an abacus i'm working on them right now um you know i've actually you know upgraded (laughs) um but that's that's a big part of it and i do think that um all of us can can miss so much and we can even study the bible and focus so much on definitions and facts and doctrine that we miss the magic and the wonder and the fact that there is mystery and um you know looking at mystery as something beautiful and intriguing and like a magnet that keeps drawing you in rather than okay got that concept figured out grace i wrote down my definition of grace in my you know lovely bible study book now i'm going to move on to what else love okay love okay got that you know it's like no no experience grace experience love maybe go out and show somebody grace today and show somebody love today and maybe you'll understand better even than reading the 900 page commentary on grace not that those 900 page commentaries aren't great i haven't read them but i've heard they're really good (laughs) Um, so Mm -hmm. that's really well said awesome well i want to shift gears slightly um and ask you more of a writer writerly question um a lot of our listeners are aspiring writers and i'm sure they would appreciate um hearing from someone that's written a lot of books like yourself uh if you have any advice or words of wisdom or any uh guidance that you could give to those out there who are aspiring writers and would love to write a bunch of books like you have. Yeah, I would, I would love to help. And the first thing I would say is I'm an aspiring writer too, still. <laughs> and I think that's part of that, you know, and I'm not saying that just to be funny. Although if anybody thinks that was funny, thank you. <laughs> but I think that's part of the magic is you have to keep aspiring. Um, you have to keep loving what you do and keep aspiring to be able to say things that are important and to say them better and better. Um, The one thing especially, and I do teach a lot of writing classes and things like that, but be be honest and be authentic and don't don't say or write what you think people would like to hear or what sounds impressive or what you heard somebody say even and it was inspiring to you and and so you're just going to maybe parrot somebody else it's like don't be you know don't try to be the next max lucado or ann voskamp because the the original ones are really really good there you know be the be the first you and um and don't be afraid to to bear your soul and i one thing that i think is happening in in christian publishing is I think the door is open for people to be more honest and more vulnerable 
and, you know, and, and it didn't used to be that way. I mean, you could be vulnerable about some things. Like if you said, well, sometimes I have two desserts, people would give you a pass. But if somebody was struggling with, you know, things that were, you know, a little deeper than just the extra donut, um, people were afraid of being judged or ostracized. And I think that um, slowly but, but somewhat surely were – um, allowing people to take off the mask, but uh, that's the one thing is like just get your honest, raw thoughts down on paper or on your screen or etched into <laughs> however you know however you 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 write or you create your art. That's where it all starts, and I think that's what people respond to is this this woman or this man or this kid is just being dead honest and it's it's captivating me because I think this too or I feel this too or I worry about this too but I've been afraid to tell anybody about it and look here's somebody in a book that you know hopefully you you know at least a lot of people are going to read and and saying this yeah this is where I am um, this is what I struggle with. Here's what I know, but also here's what I do not know yet. And uh, that's, I think that's what draws people. So I'm always, in a, when I read things from, from new writers especially, there's the difference between writing to impress, whether it's impress me or impress the audience, or to express, just express yourself. And I always, you know, that's I, that's the word, you know, those are the words I write. You know, it's like, Impress, no, cross it out, big line through it, delete symbol, but express, be honest, the, you know, that's that's where it all starts. The mechanics and the craft of writing are things that can be learned, um, but nobody can really teach you how to be honest. That's, that's just something that you have to do and break down all those barriers and be like David or the sons of Korah, any of – whoever your favorite psalmist is – just put it all out there and uh, and say, okay, yeah, this is how much despair I'm feeling right now. This is how much confusion I'm feeling right now. And, um, you know, kind of put your heart out there. And, and I, I believe that some people will resonate with that because they'll be, they'll be saying me too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I really appreciate, um, taught how you articulated that I I've been in the publishing industry for almost five years now and I I have even in that short time I've noticed how we're coming out with books that are very raw and honest you know whether mm -hmm. a lot of them being memoirs you know people's stories but even if they're more um I don't know a little bit more biblical spiritual in in that sense people are bringing in some of their experiences and it's a true humanness where we we can relate to each other and that, you know, as C.S. Lewis says, you know, hearing someone else say me too is very powerful. And that's, you know, why ultimately why the Lord came to be with us in human form so that he could say that to us and um, that we can have an old, you know, an ultimate example and confidant. So that was great. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, and I, I agree with you um, so much, Joy. And, you know, Jed and I call, you know, we, we, we refer to, to Jesus as God's me too. Mm. You know, it was his way of saying, you know, I see everything that you all are struggling with and that you, um, just the, the challenge of, of being human, um, being fully human and everything that brings, 
and um, you know Jesus is his me too it's his way of saying yep me too you know I'm here um, in the trenches with with you um, I'm experiencing these things too um, so that I can understand uh, truly understand as I kind of going back to feeling things and living things rather than just reading about things and observing things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yes. Well, well, the book is A Day at the Beach, and it comes out in April, and we're excited to uh, get that out into the world, and it can people can get it anywhere books are sold. And if people want to get in touch with you or connect with you, is there any way they can do that? Yeah, well, let me first give out Jed's home phone. No, I'm not <laughs> since he's not here, I told him, hey, buddy, <laughs> no. um, we we have a, a website, uh, haferbrothers.com, and our name um, there is just, it's H-A-F-E-R, and then the word brothers.com, but I know our lovely publisher, Tyndale House Publishers, um, is, is going to have a good web presence for us, and also if they just Google two starving authors or something like that. Our names will probably probably show up or uh, or maybe, you know, Google the two whitest, guy, whitest white guys I've ever seen on a beach. Usually we're up there in that Google search as well. Um, so uh, hopefully among those things and then, you know, on, on Amazon and, and some of the other websites, um, most of those at least we have an author page or um, you know there's some uh, links to the other uh, literary shenanigans that we've uh, <laughs> been up to over the the past uh, several years okay Good. that's great Todd thank you so much we really appreciated your time and I'm personally very encouraged by this so I'm looking forward to picking up the book when it comes out Oh, very good. Well, I uh, I really do hope that uh, that people will find some some hope and some um, some solace and a renewal in the pages. So that's that's why we uh, why we wrote it, and so we we hope that that's what people will experience as they uh, read about our various uh, beach adventures. Yes, yes, I'm sure they will. Thanks again, Todd. Oh, thank you. Well, thank you, Joy and Adam. You've been wonderful to talk with. I really, really am grateful for uh, for your time and uh, for your kindness to uh, to us. Of course, of course. Say hi to Jed for us. I will do it. Okay, uh, thank so you. Bye bye. Uh, bye bye.